English florist. Today, the business of floristry. So at the beginning, um, when I first started being a florist, being a florist, that's a funny old thing. I didn't really take myself that seriously at all, if, if I'm totally honest. Because I didn't have a shop and because I didn't have like a whole body of work, I didn't like to call myself a florist. I found like it really difficult to say I would still qualify who I was as I used to be a midwife. And it was like that for a very long time, probably about 10 years, until I realised I got to a point when I realised I'd been a florist longer than I had been a midwife. <laughs> so therefore... I was a florist and not a midwife anymore. So I think um, that's when I started realising that. And also people were coming and booking me. And they were booking me, Lynn's, the White Horse Flower Company. Um, not just, we need flowers, let's get ourselves some, you know, a florist. They were coming to me because they were being recommended or they had been at a wedding and they'd seen my flowers. And they were memorable. And I started realising that my flowers were my flowers. They weren't just flowers. They were the White Horse Flower Company flowers that I had done. And people were recognising that style. And I think that was quite an important moment for me. It was a slow dawning of what was happening. And the self-belief still didn't really... I still didn't quite believe it. I mean, even to this day, I still sometimes think, nah, you know, I can't quite believe that people would recognise my flowers and say, oh, I knew you posted that on that grid and I instantly knew before I saw the white horse flower, it was yours. I definitely feel like a florist. And absolutely, when people talk about business, um, business plans, even now I'm looking at you and I'm laughing because like, what? <laughs> Who? <laughs> I, you know, I do flowers and I, I am not one of those people that kind of talks in technical jargon. I do flowers, I arrange flowers, um, even the term, you know, floral designer, it sounds a bit clinical to me. I'd be much happier being called a flower arranger. I do not find that an insulting term because that's what I do. I arrange flowers. So, yeah, what's in a name? For a lot of people, the name is really important, but not for me. I'm a flower arranger. So at the very beginning, um, when, my, when I first started being a florist, um, the children were at home. I mean, it was literally, it was something to do for me in between the kids being at school. Um, it, it was an outlet for, for me, Lynn's. Um, I wasn't a wife. I wasn't a mother. I was a person in my own right doing something for me. And that is the very beginning of me being a florist. Um, and so you just lose yourself in doing the flowers. And I, I understand when people lose themselves when they're cycling their bikes or they're going for a run or they're doing something that they love doing. Floristry, flower arranging was what I love doing. And it got a little bit scary when people started parting with money <laughs> to actually do it professionally. But that was a slow burn. You learn every day from each experience that you do. You, I had a little book at the very beginning um, and I would write, you know, literally the days, the months of the year, each job that I did, I would write what I used and what I what I did that I thought was really good and the things that I would do differently so that when I went back the following, when I went forward, when I booked a wedding for the following year and, and you know, at the beginning there were just a handful of weddings, I could look back over that little book 
and I could see the things that I did in May the year before. And what I learned from that was actually the seasons, there is adjustments in the seasons due, due to the weather. And so, you know, damn, the spirea hasn't come into bloom damn, you know, what was I going to do? I had to use something else. So I learned very quickly that although you could kind of look back and go, yeah, yeah, the, you know, the bluebells will be out then. We can have bluebells. Um, sometimes it didn't quite work and you had to have a plan B. So I learned quite early on, but that little notebook was invaluable and I still have it and I look back and kind of fondly. <laughs> I do think at the beginning, florists don't think of themselves as a business and so, yes, I think we can give it away. And actually, I have a perfect story. When I was I was freelancing for one of my friends down um, near Petersfield, doing some flowers for her one day, and she said, Linz, how much are you charging for a bridal bouquet? And I told her, and she looked at me, and she said really gently, you know, you're really doing yourself and, and us florists a disservice by charging so little. And she said, you know, you have a skill set there that other people can't do don't charge so little don't give it away because you know somebody's going to come to me and say well I can get it for that much if I go to the White Horse Flower Company and that's not what you should be charging how are you you're not making any money on that so I kind of had to get my head around it by being told and also with the girls that are working with me when I started having girls in the workshop with me and they would look at the proposal and they'd go Linz how can you charge that and again it was kind of quite shocking actually being told by the people that you've employed to do the flowers with you and that you weren't charging enough so I learned as I went along I learned the hard way by not earning enough money by driving away from the flower market knowing that I was going to produce a beautiful um, wedding with my flowers but I was not going to earn very much money from it. So one of the things that uh, from my workshops that I, I hear a lot is a lot of the, the florists that are coming to see me, they have families and they also have other careers. Um, so they're working their floristry alongside another job. And I am humbled by the professions that have sat at my kitchen table and told me that they are lawyers. They are doctors. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But they want to be florists and they want to come and learn from me. So I'm, I find that incredible. Uh, for me, I was obviously on a career break at the time that I started being a florist, doing the flowers. So I was a midwife, but I had taken a career break which I think is a very privileged position to be at home with your children. And I don't regret that ever, to have my children around me throughout their whole schooling career and to be able to kind of build a little business up as they grew is a very privileged thing to do. And I cherish all of that time. But my my boys had to work around me as well. And um, before I turned my studio into a studio, it was the garage. And my workbench was alongside my husband's motorbike, the pots of paint. Um, there was a what we still call the beer fridge. It's actually still in my studio, the beer fridge. <laughs> um, and had a little janitorial sink for water. And it was flipping freezing. I had one of those up and over doors. Um, and the robin used to come in and nick the berries off the hypericum. So I started from very humble beginnings. And the kids had to work around me. And when they were on holiday and I was prepping a wedding or something I could hear they'd get the little scooter little micro scooter and they'd scoot from the back door down the side of the house and open the workshop or my garage door and say mummy mummy 
can we have lunch? Or, mummy, Angus has hit me. <laughs> so I would sort of have to down my scissors and go and sort the boys out and go, will you behave? And, um, and then go back to work. And then I would obviously stop, entertain them, feed them, take them to wherever they needed to go, judo, swimming, piano lessons, whatever. And then I would work around them. So in the evenings, I would go back and finish off what I had to do. So um, the, the sort of my working day would be taking the kids to school, coming back and maybe conditioning the flowers and doing the flowers, and then collecting the kids, um, maybe doing swimming lessons, and then coming back and giving them something to eat. They would maybe do some homework or whatever, but I would go back to work and I would fit it all around them. How different would it be if I didn't have children? It would be unrecognisable. I can't imagine not doing it because, yeah, they they were part of the business, the growth of the business in a way. They, if it wasn't for them, I don't know that I would have ever have become a florist because I would have stayed with midwifery. I mean, I was heading, my goal was to become director of women's health at King's or somewhere. That was my ultimate goal when I was a midwife. Um so if the children didn't come along, I wouldn't be a florist. I think, yeah, that's the situation. So I have my boys to thank for that. Um, and they actually did work for me. So by the time they got to about 15 um, and I was still working on my own and setting up weddings, I would say, look, you know, do you want some money? And you can come with me and you can put the tea lights out and put the table centres out if you're good. Or actually what I got them to do was sort of carry the bay trees to put them outside the church or whatever. So the boys did come with me and they'd sit in the van and literally I'd barely turn the engine on and they would say something like, well, that's three hours, mum. Oh, can you backs me the money. <laughs> um, and actually, even as grown men, um, before they left home um, to, to earn their own livings, they would actually scrub my floor and they'd say, "How, mummy, it's filthy. It's And it was, I mean, no joke, it was absolutely disgusting. And I, I paid seriously good money for them to scrub my floor. I think Angus was the last one to do it. And that was just last year, um, probably just as he graduated. <laughs> it was worth 20 quid. <laughs> <laughs> in the early days there was no social media I mean I think Harry probably eight or nine years ago introduced me to Facebook and there were no styled shoots and I literally got work through word of mouth I went onto a couple of preferred suppliers lists they saw my flowers when I delivered a wedding and they really liked them and they would say something like you know you are the sort of florist that we'd like to have it of and you would you like to become um part of our preferred suppliers list so I have a handful of those I don't have a lot and I quite like to keep it relatively local I mean I would travel up to about an hour and a half well obviously I've been abroad to do the odd wedding but mostly I go about an hour and a half because an hour and a half and then a setup and then an hour and a half back is a full day's work so I think for me certainly when the children were still at home that was more than I wanted to do and actually it's been more than enough for me. I think one of the things that I've come to realise more recently is I'm really happy with my lot so I'm not a kind of celebrity florist. I don't do those massive great London weddings and I'm really happy about that. I don't have a problem with that. I don't aspire to it. Um, I'm really happy with the clients that I have because my clients love flowers and flowers are key to their wedding day. And they have chosen a florist 
that they love their style and they've chosen me and they are paying for their wedding invariably themselves and they are counting the pounds and working out what they can afford and they don't have enormous budgets and that's fine too because I'm comfortable with a moderate middle of the range budget um, it's what I can accommodate in my small studio that doesn't mean to say that I'm doing budget flowers um, they are beautiful luxurious flowers mid-range I think I'm really proud of that that my clients are spending their hard-earned cash on beautiful flowers um, but they're not being excessive I would say One of the things I don't particularly like doing is um, doing wedding fairs. I only do um, showcase events where I am a preferred supplier and I do do them to the best of my ability. So I don't cobble something together. I'm, I'm spending my own money. So I haven't got a client's budget to spend. I'm literally just showing my work, showing the best of me. And when I teach my workshops, people want to kind of show the best of themselves. And I always tell them, don't skimp on the flowers. Um, do something that really kind of shows you off, that you feel comfortable doing that puts your personality into your flowers and so at these showcases I often try things that I really really want to do that I've not done for a client that I'd love to do for a client um, and I don't skimp I will literally show it with bells and whistles um, and give it my absolute best because at a showcase event or a wedding fair um, people will really scrutinize you and if you've just kind of put something together half-heartedly to minimise your costs, then you're doing yourself a great disservice. And so I think it's really important that when you're building up your business, that you give your best. So rather than do kind of 10 half-hearted things, skimping on the flowers, I will do three things absolutely brilliantly to the best of my ability next time on the english florist finding your tribe i don't think you can have too big a tribe um, i would say my florist tribe is the length and breadth of the country so i have friends up in yorkshire and i have friends down in cornwall i think it's really important i have friends in scotland i think your tribe can be wherever it could be all over the world to be honest be sure to subscribe for next week's edition of the english florist thanks so much for listening if you'd like to leave me a message so i can answer any floristry questions there's two ways you can get in touch either reach out and leave me a voice message through the english florist page on the anchor podcast website or app or contact me on instagram at the white horse flower have a great week the english florist is a loadingzone.co.uk production uploaded on Sundays and available wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple and Google podcasting apps.